0: Hey, Howard Jacobson here. Welcome to today's Plant Yourself podcast. A quick reminder, this podcast is free for everyone and supported by patrons. So if you would like to find out about becoming a patron of the show and helping us out, helping defray the cost, helping to spread the message, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. Thanks so much and enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone, welcome to another lockdown episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, COVID-19 edition, USA lockdown day six, maybe. I'm going to stop counting because it's getting harder and harder. Today's Wednesday. I know it's Wednesday because I woke up with an urge to go to the dump and the dump is closed on Wednesdays. So I know whenever I think I should go to the dump today, then it must be a Wednesday. I went yesterday, so the urge to go to the dump has nothing to do with the amount of garbage and recycling that we have to uh, move out of the mudroom. It's just perverse. It's just when I can't, then I must. When I when I can't, then I want. You might have uh, been experiencing some of that over these few days. There's there's places that I want to go that I would never go if I could. And now I'm just thinking, boy, it'd be really nice to go to Joanne Fabrics or Michael's Crafts or <laughs> maybe we could buy some elastic and so masks, you know, this uh, this feeling of 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 restriction just just makes all the parts of me that chafe when I feel like my autonomy is being limited. Just uh, just want to act out yesterday um, was a good day. Physically, I didn't do a lot of thinking work aside from uh, yesterday's podcast. I'm finding it really, really hard to uh, to concentrate mentally physically seems to be somehow easier. Uh, So I went out yesterday to uh, prepare some some garden beds. And, you know, this we're two months behind uh, in terms of preparation. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just not going to go in the ground. Uh, We'll have to rely on, you know, neighbors, local farmers for that. But there is a whole bunch of things that we could start planning um, in the next two weeks. And with the today's probably roughly the last frost day, uh, we might get a little frost tomorrow, but essentially, according to the you know, USDA uh, zones, uh, we're about at the, the frost day. So we'll push it back a couple more days. And so by mid, you know, um, by beginning of May, a whole bunch of stuff needs to have gone in the ground, so we're looking at our seeds. This year, of course, we're we're focusing much more on calorie crops than just you know nutrient crops. So things like grains, potatoes, legumes, uh, other root vegetables, and oil seeds like um, sunflowers and uh, and oil seeds like uh, pumpkins. So they really can provide calories because we've been talking, you know, we moved out to this piece of property so that we could practice the self-sufficiency because I'm kind of a prepper. I kind of think that stuff is going to happen. I studied public health and you can't study public health without being exposed to the idea of infectious disease and pandemic, even though it hasn't been really on anyone's mind for for at least 10 years since SARS and unless unless you you know work with the exotic diseases like Ebola that uh, that aren't native to here and, and can be caught really early. In 1993 or four, I read a book uh, called The Coming Plague by Laurie Garrett. And she had written this in the uh, in the wake of, of um, the AIDS crisis, the HIV epidemic of the 80s. And basically what she said, you know, and this for those of you who remember it, it was you know, earth shaking for for many of us, it was earth shaking for particularly for certain communities, for certain continents like Africa. Um, And one thing and she said, basically, AIDS, as bad as it is, is nothing compared to a disease that could be spread more easily. So she says, imagine a disease like the, the terrible thing about AIDS was that you could be infected for months and not know it. And therefore, you would go out and infect lots of other people. AIDS wasn't infectious because it was easy to catch. It is essentially a blood transmitted disease or a mucous membrane transmitted disease. It wasn't something airborne. You couldn't cough on someone and give them AIDS. Mosquitoes couldn't transmit AIDS. So in in many ways, as as bad as AIDS was in terms of the window of, of viral shedding, it was a real blessing that it was so hard to catch. And so it did not uh, become the pandemic. But she said, like, imagine a disease that like AIDS, that could have a long latency period and was as lethal. So that book, long book, lots of references. Um, it was in my second, I believe, my second year in public health school that I read it really shook me and and, and just looking at the history. So when you look at the last You know, the years I've been alive from 65 on, we haven't had a terrible flu. We haven't had a pandemic like that. And so if you're talking, you know, just if you're not a historian, if you don't look to the whole story, if you don't look to 1918, if you don't look to see that we have roughly, roughly every 100 years, we have a global pandemic and it's 2020. Like a lot of us were not surprised. Of course, we're like shocked and taken off guard by what seems to be a total black swan event. Like, oh, my God, how could this happen? But, you know, it's like the lottery, your chances of winning the lottery are almost nil, but someone's going to win just about every lottery. So for them, that swan, you know, the black swan event, from your perspective, is actually a daily occurrence, not even remarkable. So that's kind of um, of what this is. And so we moved here because we thought, you know, I don't know if it's going to be terrorism or a global pandemic or um, the income inequality is going to become so bad that we're going to have, you know, a revolution or a recession, but just we didn't. I knew that the the land, the the world we're living in is unsustainable. And I didn't we didn't move out here just to get away and survive. Like we don't have guns, we don't have uh, stockpiles. We came here, we've got you know, we can survive here for about a month. We do have a wood stove. We have a backup generator. uh, We have a Berkey water filter, uh, big one that sits on the kitchen countertop. So we can go down, you know, if if we have no more electricity and we can't use the well pump, we can go down with buckets to the to the lake and uh, and pour through the Berkey and still have drinking water. But we didn't do this to survive the apocalypse. We're not doing this like um, you know, billionaires building um, houses on remote islands and, and stockpiling them for, for decades. We came here to practice post-apocalyptic living to figure out once things collapse, once Western civilization really collapses under its own weight from the animals that we eat, from the, the CAFOs, the, the factory farms, from the way we're destroying the environment, from the carbon emissions, from economic inequality, once it collapses, whichever card gets pulled out and the whole thing comes tumbling down. What can we do? What would the new world look like? And, I'm, you know, I am really longing for the new world. It's unfortunate that we don't get to the new world by just waking up. We do. we do, it looks like we are going to be going through a series of cataclysms and they're going to be very painful for a lot of us. And yeah, I kind of organized my life so that I might not. My family would not be among those uh, touched by sort of, you know, high probability scenarios like we're not living in New York City, where everyone's life depends on trucking and depends on electrical grid. Uh, we are out here where we can be a little more self sufficient. But really, what we're looking for is how can we contribute? How can we play with models? We don't know what the world's going to look like. We don't know what the future will bring. I don't know if I'm going to survive into it. But still, the call for me was can we start playing with models? Of a new way of living. And maybe that new way of living looks very much like a lot of old ways of living a horticultural society, small tribes, hyperlocal. And maybe we still have this beautiful internet. Maybe we can still have high tech um, that, that, you know, both in the manufacture of the equipment and in the way it's distributed and the way power is distributed through it, honors a greater spirit than that of predatory capitalism. But I came we came out here to to play with new models of human society, um, new models of agriculture, of culture based on that agriculture, because everything, every society is defined by how it eats and how it gets its food and how it produces its food. And So that's why we returned to the land. And so now here we are and we've kind of been dabbling with stuff. But all of a sudden it's like, take this seriously. So we're out clearing beds, trying to figure out, do we want to put buckwheat here for three weeks? Yeah, the soil isn't that great. We're not going to be able to buy all these amendments. And if those amendments, that compost and the minerals and the phosphates and all this and their bone meal and the blood meal and, you know, the non veganic stuff and the the animal poo and the veganic stuff, if it comes from the outside, then we're not self sufficient. Then we're stealing uh, fertility from somewhere else. So the idea was can we generate a fertility loop on our own land so that we don't have to rely on fossil fuels for the transport of the stuff? So we don't have to uh, degrade other land to prop up this land, right? That's the big problem with these, um, you know. Um, uh, free range, you know, the, the, the cows eating grass on these, uh, you know, farms that are um, supposedly eco friendly, uh, the math doesn't work out all. They don't they don't feed the cows on what they grow on that land. It's all imported from somewhere else. It's it's um, it's fake accounting. So could we veganically um, grow food on this land to support us and neighbors? And not all of it, we'd still, you know, we're not about total about total self-reliance, but we're talking about community self-reliance because, you know, if we're just totally self-reliant, someone with a gun can come and just take it all. We've just made it easier for them. So we're talking about a, building a community spirit of helping each other. So yesterday was all about we, we mowed some of the back meadow uh, in preparation for, <coughs> excuse me, in preparation for either um, growing a healthier meadow so that we get green manure or maybe even planting some hemp or wheat or uh, more you know, buckwheat and bringing it actually to, uh, to fruition. So as we're making all these decisions, it's really about it's a question of investment, like what are we investing in? Uh, what if everything goes back to normal in two months and we've planted a whole bunch of buckwheat and we've put all this work and effort into uh, a healthy grass meadow, and then all of a sudden, Costco's back open, Whole Foods is back open, Weaver Street Market's back open, Food Lion, Harris Teeter, and we've you know we've sort of done this for nothing. We're not living off of these stores. Um, how you know how would that feel? And almost all the decisions we're making these days are framed somehow as investments. Like, is it worth it for me to learn how to, do, how to use animation software? Is it worth it for me to keep doing these daily podcasts to uh, to help people to generate goodwill? Is this going to help my business at all? You know, maybe this will be the biggest waste of time and I should have been building something else. And so when it comes to the idea, like we can't know what's a good investment. If I knew what good investments were, I, my, my uh, 401k wouldn't look like it does right now. All right. I would have you know, put it in silver or, or um, copper or, or just, you know, bullion under my pillow. I certainly wouldn't have kept it in the in the money markets and the uh, um, uh, the index funds that everyone told me were the best bet for someone my age. So obviously we are very fallible and flawed when it comes to investment. So I was thinking like, what what is the guiding principle for me? And it is that thing about I don't know what the future is, but I want to create and create as in creativity. I want to put forward a model of how things could be in the future, a model of how things could be better, even if I don't survive. Even if this doesn't turn out to be the apocalyptic pandemic that it looks like it might be, it might, we may just go back to normal. They might find a vaccine. They might find a cure. All right, we don't know. But in terms of our garden, I'm looking for. How can I contribute an experiment, a, a mutation as it were? So the virus is mutating. Um, So can humans mutate as well? And we can see what works, what will survive this. And I was brought back to a song that I haven't heard in a long time. It was written in 1983. And yeah, I'm going to inflict it on you now. So before I do, I will just remind you in case you want to. Click stop. That there's a tip jar for Plant Yourself uh, during this uh, this time where not much else is going on for me financially. And if you want to support the show and support me and my family, you can do so at PlantYourself.com/gift. And with that out of the way, the song is called "Fashioned in the Clay." It was written by Elmer Beal, early '80s. So a time when we were worried about nuclear war, uh, you know, Soviet Union. But if you just take swap out a few of the details, it's an incredibly prescient song for right now, I'm just taking a quick look because I have oh, I have two minutes. Um, I'll come back. When it seems like everyone is worried for themselves, making plans for fallout shelters, stocking up the shelves. Living in the fast lane, staying high at night, thinking that by accident we'll blow out all the lights. Look now at the potter whose wheel is spinning round, shaping with her hands the past and future from the ground. Cups that will be filled and drunk so warm in winter time, plates and bowls for dinners served with candlelight by wine, and she believes. She believes by her work it is easy to see That the future is more than the following day It's fashioned securely in the clay Come and see the farmer working in his fields Hoping for the sun and rain to guarantee his yield Like a seed the wind has blown to unfamiliar ground He waits to see what fate will bring As each year rolls around and he believes He believes by his work it is easy to see That the future is more than the following day It's fashioned securely in the clay Elsewhere there are lovers in a warm embrace Happy with their plans to carry on the human race Now their baby cries and wonders if it's all alone Soft the voices is reassured there will always be a home And they believe, they believe By their work it is easy to see that the future is more than the following day It's fashioned securely in the clay So if you had been worried that tomorrow wouldn't come look to see the ones whose lives are following the sun And the hope that springs so clearly from the work they do Will spread a little further when it's found The place in you, and we believe, we believe, by our work it is easy to see, that the future is more than the following day, it's fashioned securely in the clay, fashioned securely in the clay. So the future doesn't feel secure to me, my future, any particular future. But I do have faith that there will be a future and it might not be the one that I envision and it might not be the one that includes me, but by contributing my own best guess, by contributing my own creativity to the problem of how humans can live harmoniously on this earth with each other and with the rest of creation—that's what I'm investing in. And I'm curious for you: where are you putting your investment? If you have any extra time, if you're not a healthcare worker working 18-hour days, if you're not, um, you know, doing your normal thing or doing more of it or doing extra or hustling, if you have time and space. What is your investment philosophy? I'd love to know. You can let me know in the comments, on the blog on plantyourself.com, on the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash plantyourself, on Instagram, ask Howie, um, or just email me, hj at plantyourself.com. And again, the tip jar is open at plantyourself.com slash gift. Um, Every little bit helps if you are fortunate enough to be uh, financially good right now, um, you can consider uh, making contribution. If you are struggling, no guilt. I want this to be available for everyone. So um, I totally totally get it. And uh, let's, uh, you know, create a future that. Can be better than what we have right now and better than what we've ever had. So uh, thanks for watching or listening. And as always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenour.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, the Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Patterson, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, <laughs> hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benin, Gillis, David Donahue, Blair Seiberg, Daron Gio and Car- Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen. Ruth Ann Funderberg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Linneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmaud, and Nolly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R, Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, D.N. Norton, Bonnie Lynch at Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holmhead Hedegaard, Izatu Wa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Mirani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazen, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divitch, Summer Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamond McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Steven Leenan, Patty Di Martino, Mike and Donakart, Dean Bishop, Bill Briel, Gunther Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, and Kramer Lent, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagan, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Cesar, Shel Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchik, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaughan, of Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, and Michael Lushton for your